um, maybe there was a post on social media, um, you know, and it was anonymous. We don't know who it belongs to. Maybe somebody said, oh, um, don't go to school tomorrow. Um, There's, you know, supposed to be a shooting or someone's going to come into the school with a gun. So normally with that type of thing, um, we will get police uh, law enforcement involved, but a lot of our families may also just keep their students home just to be on the safe side. So in the event that our students do show up to school, then we basically will do a search. Like before we even allow students to come into the building, we will do a search. So we may have to have police officers there, more security guards there, basically searching all of our students before they even come into the building because you just never know and you can't take that risk. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of work. It definitely is, but I feel like in the long run, um, it may take up, you know, the whole first half of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But at least we, we have that, you know, peace of mind that we did something and you know we usually provide an update to the parents like hey we search all of our students we search the lockers everything's clear um just so you know parents are kept in the loop and they have that relief like okay my kid's there it's okay does the school systems uh, around the area are you guys all getting together and, and talking about this collectively and say this is how we're going to do it or is this more of a, a individual uh, school doing its own thing So I believe it is pretty, um, like as a collective group, I do know our superintendents, at least speaking for the county that I live in, um, our superintendents do have meetings. And so they basically discuss maybe concerns that they have in their specific districts. Um, They talk about protocols, different things, like even with COVID, um, you know, they met as a group to discuss like, okay, this is what we're implementing in our schools. What are you doing? Mm. And so it may vary slightly depending on, you know, school district to school district. But I would say for the most part, it's pretty similar across the board. Fair enough. You know, I wasn't sure if you saw the the video on social media of the shooter in Oxford. Uh, There was a a barred classroom and he was trying to gain access to that room. And then the teacher said, we don't feel comfortable or safe opening the door. Mm -hmm. And then the person said, well, come on, come on, just open the door, bro. And, you (laughs) know, the police, they don't talk like that. So they automatically knew, hey, we got to get out of this room outside the door. Uh, what were your initial thoughts with that initial reaction when you saw that door? Can you, what thoughts were going through your mind when you saw that? <laughs> I thought, well, I was thinking, but I'll hear your thoughts. Yeah. So I, I did see that. Um, it was, it was floating around like all over the internet. I did mm-hmm. see that. And one, the fact that the students even had to experience that as well as staff and the fear that was probably like going on inside of them at the moment. And mm-hmm. the fact that the, the, you know, one of the students was like, he said, bro, he said, bro. And mm-hmm. immediately everybody was like, okay, let's go. And then they had, you know, there was the exit right there. So they left that building and went across and went into the other building where they were met by mm-hmm. um, what it appeared to be, I guess, a police officer. And so the fact that like, like, I think a lot of people underestimate how capable and smart and 
like intelligent our kids are and mm-hmm. so when they're faced in those life or death situations you would be surprised on how quick they respond mm-hmm. so yeah. I thought that was really cool that the one kid was like wait he said bro and then yep. immediately you see everybody <laughs> like okay let's go let's, let's go let's, <laughs> it's time to exit the premises right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I saw that video too and they were extremely calm so I'm wondering uh, is there like are you guys calling the students down and of course we know, we know that you can't represent everybody in America. We just said generally though, is it protocol for them to like call the kids like to the to the gym, I guess, or a main area, and then kind of say this is what we do in this situation? Or, or, yeah. So just like with um, like fire, like if, if if like let's say the fire alarm goes off, or mm-hmm. um, there's you know a protocol that students and staff have to follow for that. The same applies for if there's an intruder, if there's somebody, if there's a school shooting, like there's these protocols and trainings that we actually every year, I believe, I forget exactly how many we have to do, but it's a state rule and it goes by each state where schools have to practice this with students and staff. Um, and they have to do it a certain amount of times throughout the year, just so that in, in the, event that something does happen everybody knows what to do um so that may be hey guys um you know somebody says on the loudspeaker code red code red can mean um somebody's in the building that's not supposed to be everybody stay in their classrooms lock the door don't stand next to the door don't stand next to the windows um be completely quiet so those are just some of the protocols and kind of trainings that some that we have to do in schools you know it's it's totally ironic how you know i was thinking back in history in 50s and 60s how you see videos of a film of kids getting underneath the desk for for fallout or bomb (laughs) bomb bomb (laughs) alerts yeah okay get underneath your desk but that may not actually work i recall being in school myself you know and being when you had the tornado drills, we we lined up in the hallways and and, and put yep. our, our heads towards the walls and covered our heads and you know the fire fire drills. You know, as I was, I can't even remember the exact time frame, but the the major shooting that really got everyone's attention when I was a little bit younger was Columbine, and yes. that was kind of that pivot point where everyone in the nation said, "Oh wow, this is a major problem." And since that point, we've seen more of these instances, Sandy Hook and others. Where, where it's these these cities and these schools and these towns have become you know, uh, you know touch points when it comes to hey what do we need to do for school protection? You, then you have another flat side of the situation. What are we doing for advocacy advocacy for students? You know what are we doing? Dare I say in the top of, of you know gun legislation and all those things that go along with that. I won't even go down that path because that's a totally that's a whole nother conversation. I'm sure we can have a whole nother show on. But right. that being said, being the advocates for students and at, at its core, at some point, these students that became assailants may have been victims of bullying. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that we've seen, I've personally seen, and I'm not always up on it, but we've seen instances of videos where there are acts of kindness where kids are actually, you know, gifting shoes and clothes to kids who are, who are having issues. And uh, you still see instances of kids who may be bullied at school, and that shows up from time to time on social media. And hopefully, that's being dealt with. You know, in, in your opinion, if you got those two polar opposites happening, 
what trend are you typically seeing in, in your locale when it comes to social media and kids and that interaction? So social media has had a tremendously negative impact, at, at least in my school and the age group that I work with. So I work with seventh and eighth graders. So that's anywhere from 12 to 14 years old. And um, it, it, it really like I, I can't really even name sad to say any instance where I was like, wow, social media actually was really beneficial to our students and it actually did something amazing um if anything it's the opposite there's a lot of um you know back and forth between students on social media we also have students creating fake profiles fake pages um there may be like you know the name of the school like fight page or or drama page and and people like we have kids actually posting videos of fights that are happening in the neighborhood, um, on the bus, outside of school, um, if there's stuff happening in school. And so there is a, a lot of lack of awareness of <coughs> excuse me, the severity that comes with fighting and posting it online. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm starting to get a little dry throat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so... There, there's a lot of lack of awareness. And I think students think, oh, if I post this, it's never going to trace back to me. If I post this inappropriate picture, it's fine. Nothing's going to happen. So a lot of my part in my building is letting kids know, like, no, you can get in trouble for this. And there are laws out there. And in along with the posting <clears throat> of all of this there comes the go ahead and get you some water get on. you some water we don't want you <laughs> yeah we'll wait <laughs> yeah let me just uh, give a fact while she's doing that yes uh, please trey you brought up the columbine if you actually think about it columbine happened april 20th 1999 in littleton wow. colorado mm-hmm. 12 students were killed and one teacher and I did a little research on this, and I know this show is not going to be all about school shootings, but it's interesting that uh, 70% of the shooters are white males, <laughs> and then you do have a small percentage who are African-American or Hispanic. I've, I've yet to find that information myself, but according to the internet, that's the case. So my question is, what is happening with uh, the these young white uh, individuals that are shooting up these schools and the second question is for my job I recently flew to Kansas City Missouri uh, for an assignment and that very day I was there it was an actual school shooting there now mm. the interesting thing about this is it was a beautiful town in the suburbs and I was like wow this is a beautiful town you know it's just like overlooking the city views nice hilly mm-hmm. area and I just I just happened to see that this can happen anywhere USA anytime, any day. So mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know if I feel comfortable being in a situation where I was at a school. Would, would I have to, what would be my role, you know, if, if a school shooting happened? Because do you remember the guy, Trey, the, the security guard who wouldn't go into school when they were shooting? Uh, there wasn't down in Florida? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was. I thought that was Florida, but, they, it, but, the, but the assailant was actually, they, they actually take 
it eventually took him to a fast food restaurant or found him at a fast food restaurant. And yeah. yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, there's a whole, that's a, that's, that's a show in itself as well, too. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I guess as a security guard or the person like that, I guess you expect them to uh, do what they can to proactively prevent danger like that. But realistically, <sighs> How can you prepare for the unexpected and then expect somebody to go yeah. run into gunfire, especially when you see all this stuff? I, that'd be a tough job, man. Do a tough job for me. Especially for ten bucks an hour. <laughs> <laughs> what is? Yeah, you're right. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're giving them more money now because of COVID, but man, that's a tough one. So I'm really in favor of uh, uh, homeschooling because do you know that homeschooling students tend to do better? Well, I can't. I don't know. They yeah, say well, they yeah, tough yeah, call. Then, then you could have what happens with, with, with the shooting happens at home. <laughs> right, I'm, right. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. I didn't mean to say it like that. I'm sorry. I think at home is it's more that chocolate Hold getting when you get there at home. Let me put this plate on there. We do not condone violence at home in the street. Right, people. Not back keyboard. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so I, I did see that a lot of times that affecting homeschooling seems to have different results because you don't have that influence. But but like Seda alluded to earlier, uh, social media is really, I guess, glorifying this this the violence that we're seeing, along with uh, guns being so prevalent because. Uh, hopefully here in the next few minutes we're going to segue into the, the young man from Wisconsin who, who got away with murder. We can talk about that. How, how, how does a young person get a gun? <laughs> how do you get a gun in the first place? And uh, Is a gun that cheap? Let me, I'm a matter of fact, I'm gonna I'm a Google how much AR 15 costs. Well, you, go ahead and Google that. So have... I apologize, guys. I am You're back. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think talking too long, I kind of had a little bit of you know dry throat so i am back i am good <laughs> oh yeah i keep my water with me the whole time yeah, it's all good no problem yeah say that... let me ask you one last quick question on this topic and then sure you know just as an outside observer you know as we all are but what you think the staff and counselors might be doing to support the students at that school and then across the district Sure. Are you are you um, speaking particularly on the district that I work in, or just in general? Just what in ge- counselors and, and <clears throat> you can go either generally or what you've done specifically in, in your school district if that's if that's allowed. That's fine. Yeah. So one of the biggest issues I think we are facing, not just you know in my state, but in general mm-hmm. across the country, is the lack of counselors and mental health professionals in school. Um, If we could have the adequate amount of staff members in each building, I think that that would allow us to be able to meet with the students more often, um, to really get to know our students, and so that way we can see these things um, before they come. And I know, I understand sometimes we things happen unexpectedly we can't always you know predict what's going to happen but the relationship building is so crucial so if you have one counselor in a building with 900 kids 
how can that one counselor really get to establish those relationships? They're only one person. So the number of staffing is big. Um, But I would also say, of course, the relationship building too. counselors have to have those skills to just, you know, bond with students and establish that trust because some students may not feel comfortable talking to a counselor, let alone any adult in the building. So having just those basic relationship building skills is very important Um, and getting to know the kids, of course. And I feel like with that and supporting the students and being approachable, students will then come to their, go to their counselors and, you know, have these open conversations with them. Mm -hmm. Do you find, um, I did student teaching for a couple years, uh, a while back. I always had the feeling that there's always pockets of, of young people who think that the teachers are out of touch. Mm-hmm. How do the teachers stay relevant? What, what can they do? The instructors, the counselors, and what can they do? Or should they be the ones trying to do that? Yes. I. This goes back to what I had said uh, with the relationship building. Without the relationship and the trust, I don't know how teachers can expect te- uh, students to perform to the best of their ability in their classrooms because, you know, students need to know, okay, this person, I can trust them. I can go to them. I, I'm able to um, ask them questions if I get stuck on something. So I definitely think there is responsibility for the staff member to meet the student where they're at. And, but then there's also, you know, not trying too hard either. (laughs) So, you know, being like understanding how students talk, their language, um, where they are right now, developmentally, what their learning style is like, how do they study? um, Just really being able to, take a step back and learning about the kids um, is so important instead of just thinking like, okay, I'm just up here teaching and I expect all of my students to just get it and Mm. do well. That's, that's not realistic. Right. I I agree. Totally. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I I wanted to also talk to you about uh, trauma. Uh, what, 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 what can you tell us about trauma? for for our our young people or even young adults? So I am a big believer. Um, Actually, when I went to college, um, I had to choose a specific theory that I felt um, made the most sense to me and I felt that I could apply in my own work as a school counselor. And that is um, cognitive behavioral therapy. And a lot of that ties in with trauma. So I'm a firm believer that childhood experiences, if, if, a, if a person has gone through a lot of trauma at a young age, if they are not receiving support with that, um, if they're not healing as a person, mm-hmm. these things, these traumatic experiences are going to follow them for the rest of their life, um, no matter how old they are. And a lot of our young students are dealing with these traumatic experiences, whether, um, you know, their parents are going through a divorce, whether they're experiencing poverty, 
bullying. Um, maybe they've lost a parent, lost a loved one. Um, maybe they're putting a, put in a position where they have to be the adult in the family. Um, so all of these experiences have a huge impact on the student. So um, I think my biggest frustration is that there's so much focus on test scores and students getting A's. And it's like, how can a student really get to that point if they're not getting help with these traumas that they're dealing with? So that all ties back to mental health. Yes. <laughs> so without yes, that does. mental health awareness and support students cannot get to the next level and you know there's there's always going to be that barrier right there but once they get through that i wholeheartedly believe students can reach their highest potential mm-hmm. yeah i think each generation deals with different issues that the other one uh has not been through before you know nobody's been down this road before because even with your training that you had, I'm sure you guys didn't talk about, uh, as we alluded to earlier, about the, the violence in schools. Or, or did you guys go over that in your in your uh, college prep? No. To be honest with you, I would say that is probably, my program was amazing. I, I felt like it taught me a lot. But one thing that I felt that I could have used a little bit more training on is how to deal with these crisis situations. Mm-hmm such as school shootings, such as, um, you know, community uh, issues, um, such as poverty, things like that. I feel like I don't know exactly. I I feel like it's one of those things where you can, even if they did incorporate that in my studies, I still feel like I would have had to experience it and kind of just like get thrown in and go through it in order to really learn and develop those skills Mm. but it would have been nice to have that at least some tips or pointers um in my program yes yes so what what made you decide you want to get into that field anyway so i have always been the go-to person in my family as well as my friendship groups um as like a little girl growing up I've Uh always kind of been the go-to person (laughs) whether it was you know problems venting um I always felt like you know I had that approachable personality but for me I think the biggest factor was my dad had um schizophrenia and he also had depression so growing up And just like witnessing some of the things he was dealing with and seeing how much he was struggling. But back then, you know, there were a lot of lack of resources and mental health wasn't really talked about. So I always wanted to help him and I always knew that something was going on, but I didn't know exactly what it was. So I figured if I step into this role as a counselor, if I study mental health, then one day I'll be able to figure out my dad's diagnosis. I'll be able to help Mm. him, give him the resources that he needs. Um, And lo and behold, I did. Um, As I was going through my program, I'm like, wait, I think he has schizophrenia. Like these are, some of his behaviors are leading in that direction. And I ended up actually being right. Um, He went to a doctor and the doctor was like, yep, he has schizophrenia. And I was like, see, my studying actually helped. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. 
Uh, going back to uh, trauma too, I'm just kind of going back and forth between these things. I noticed that there are typically three different types of trauma. And what I kind of found was the acute trauma, the chronic trauma, and the mm-hmm. complex trauma. Is there one that's more prevalent than the other in those situations? Yes. Um, I would say uh, between the complex and also the chronic, um, acute is kind of like short term. Like, let's just say something happens and that person is able to just kind of bounce back. Um, but the chronic and the complex, that's pretty lifelong. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> some examples I could maybe think off the top of my head is the loss of a parent. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, poverty because that's ongoing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if school shootings, that, that could be another example as well, because even though it happens, you know, one time that post-traumatic stress and the anxiety is lifelong that's something that that person has to deal with for the rest of their lives so i would say those two types of traumas are definitely uh the most difficult to try to cope with yeah i would agree with that do you think that you can is it like a cookie cutter approach when you're talking to or counseling individuals or do we have to kind of break that down to say, okay, African-Americans are dealing with this type of trauma. Uh, young white males are dealing with this. I mean, or is it just, is it like a blanket type situation to just cover trauma? No. Um, so me personally, um, <clears throat> I never tried to come off like I understand or I'm in the shoes of someone else because at the end of the day, my experiences are not the same as my students experiences so I try to just meet them where they are um and and also a lot of that comes in you know with the cultural competency I have to be a culturally sensitive and competent counselor and be aware of the different issues that are happening based on you know where people live um demographics and things like that so um, definitely not a blanket statement. Um, I just take everything as case by case and, and just help each student with their individual issue that they're dealing with. Um, maybe just a, uh, an example off the top of my head, if, if a student is coming to me and saying, you know, my parent just passed away. So, you know, I would, of course, check in with that student throughout the year, um, yeah. communicate with the teachers, mm-hmm. allow the teachers to, you know, accommodate some of those assignments and tasks that they're yes. expecting from this kid. So that way they're not like, wow, you know, the school knows that my parent passed and they're putting they're still putting all these expectations on me. Yes. Yeah. Um, possibly offering some grief counseling if they're ready for that um maybe some small group counseling maybe some outside resources so it's very like situational and it's Mm -hmm. very um you know based on each person's experience yeah so it seems like you gotta have like they say that village in that situation and and having those resources is what's going to make the difference between somebody healing faster or somebody continuing to repeat those things and living at anguish so yes absolutely yeah let let me ask a quick question and i I don't want to go back to the whole situation with with oxford but there's that i noticed there's a correlation now with 
you know, when the child he's incarcerated and now the parents are incarcerated. So then mm-hmm. at some point there's there's so many layers and levels of trauma that are being shown that I that I that I'm thinking about, you know, whatever was a trigger point and I don't use that you know facetiously using the word trigger wow. but whatever was the act uh, you know what I meant by it when it came to the point of when <laughs> yes. dealing with I like him. that it's triggers that's, that's a good that's so, a good point what what I'm just kind of man now the you have the support system for the that should have been there for for this young person is incarcerated so now the, the parents are now going through their own set of of issues with their traumas as well. It just seems like it's a very vicious cycle that is going to be very hard to break. And you, you kind of wonder how how, and if ever this family's ever going to get out of that situation, you know, the same, you know? They're going to come out changed, that's for sure. Yeah, and the last I read, um, they were actually... I think there's a couple of families of the victims um, that are suing the school district as well. Mm -hmm. Um, They're suing the superintendent. Um, I think there were like two counselors. There was a principal. Um, So it sounded like there were some signs that were getting thrown out there and they were, I'm assuming, dismissed, which is why the families are so upset and they're going out for this lawsuit because... They're just like, well, there were there were warning signs, you know, there were things that were said by this child or um, by the parents. And like, why didn't anyone react? Um, So I'm not sure what the dynamic was in that family. I don't know. A lot of it, you know, believe it or not, does tie in with the mental health. Maybe the parents had some of their own mental health issues happening. And of course, you know, this kid growing up in that household picked up on those things as well Um, it could be hereditary it could be that the student was getting bullied it could Mm -hmm. be that the student had some underlying like diagnosis or was very angry so there's so many different things and I think now it's like we we really don't know what possessed this person to do what he did yeah, you know, at, at, at its core, at least, you, you could say that the trauma, in your opinion, was definitely ignored by somebody, <laughs> you know, yes. whether it's at the family level, at the, at the school level, somebody knew something and yet nothing was said, which is very unfortunate for all parties involved. Absolutely. Well, I think I think what you're saying, Trey, too, also, is that that happens so much in society that people don't know whose role is what i mean we're not really talking about those issues because if we're going back to the the gun violence i mean uh we i don't really think they talk about i don't think they talk about gun safety in schools do they say that is that, is that like a uh, topic they have in classes or anything or that's not a subject you can choose like no and and i think that that's where we need to start moving forward i think we need to have these open discussion conversations um not you know, every day, but I think there needs to be more, whether it's an assembly, a presentation, whether you bring law enforcement into the building and have them present to students like, hey, listen, this is serious, right? And then that can also go back to the social media piece too, going over the different laws, the fines, you know, the seriousness of having pictures that you shouldn't have in your phone or sharing someone else's picture or posting these things of other people on social media. I there I think we need to 
touch on that because there is a lot of lack of awareness and we're not talking about these things enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I was kind of thinking of a scenario. I was talking with a, an older family friend of ours and he was mentioning how when he was in school back in the, you know, you know late 50s, early 60s, they actually had uh, gun education in school and they actually taught the students how to actually use firearms in school. That's, wow. That's, that shows how different times were, you know, but then wow. a lot of the kids <laughs> were actually involved with going to, you know, using it for, for hunting or whatever, you know, you, you would be, a, would not be uncommon to see a, a gun rack in the back of a, a back of their, 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 uh, their trucks as they're going, you know, hunting after school because it was deer season and, you know, and squirrel season is always going on, you know, so. You know, I, I get it. Was, I get it was a different time, you know, and that was appropriate then. And I kind of wonder would that ever come a time again where they, hey, this is the proper use of a firearm if you ever come across one in schools today. I, I don't see that happening to that same degree. Definitely you know? can't see that happening. Yeah. Definitely can't. And and we also live in a different time now where mm-hmm. we have a lot of the stress from the pandemic. So we've had we have kids. And staff member, I mean, depending on where people are working, people um, haven't been in these buildings for almost two years. So mm-hmm. to come back and be like, hey, let's talk about this and not knowing the things that these kids may have endured in their homes. Um, and then even the staff's mental health, too. Like everyone's mental health has been impacted one way or another because of mm-hmm. this pandemic. So not really knowing where everyone is emotionally um you know it's like even now you know we're in what approaching end of december and we're still trying to acclimate kids back into the school routine like hey mm-hmm. guys take out your pencil take out your notebook take mm-hmm. out your computer did you do your homework um because a lot of these like social cues and behavior behaviors are stemming from not having that socialization piece for the past mm-hmm. year and a half mm-hmm. you know so, it's funny you should mention that it's, I, I was just yeah <laughs> it's it's i was just thinking of just from my own personal experience where i'm i'm working remotely and I'm, i meet with my team once a week and there's a guy that i've been working with since january we've met once a week throughout this whole year that really equates to basically like two months of, of actual being together every day. If you were to put those days back to back. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've worked with the guy for over a year and only seen him for a total of two months. So I can only imagine what kids are going through, you know, if they're with these crazy schedules of things not being consistent during COVID. And now you're trying to get to, to two to three to four to five days a week again. And my hat goes off to you. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I hear that from a lot of people. They're like, the education world is just a lot right now. And I'm just like, but you know what? These kids, they need the support. They need the help. At the end of the day, I love what I do. I feel like I I have a purpose in my job. Like, I never come home and I'm just like, okay, I feel like a robot. Or I feel like I didn't mm-hmm. do anything or accomplish anything. Even if it's just helping one student each day I feel like that's still a success and um, mental health is very important to me I feel like everyone in one way shape or form has something they're dealing with and unfortunately 
I don't know when we can kind of remove this negative stigma about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's still a lot of talk about, well, you know, I don't need therapy or what's that? You know, I don't, I don't need to go to somebody and tell them how I feel. So that's still a struggle, but it has gotten a lot better um, over the years, for sure. What, what is therapy really? Is that just like just open up about what's going on in your life or what, what, how would you describe therapy to somebody? Therapy, it's interesting you asked me that because in the past I thought that myself. Like I kind of had that impression as well. But a lot of it is awareness. Mm. Is bringing things to light that you have had trapped inside of you for years. So, and and a lot of this also goes in with having a good therapist. Unfortunately, not every therapist may be good at what they do. Um, so just like, you know, with any profession. So if people, um, you know, have that connection with their therapist, there could be a lot of things that you are breaking down that you've kept in, you've never told anybody. Um, and all those pent up frustrations and feelings that you had that you never dealt with can interfere with your adulthood. And as you're getting older, your relationships with people, your spouse, your parents, your kids. So I think the biggest word that sticks out to me with going to therapy is just awareness and self-reflection and like realizing, wow, I went through this and I'm going to be okay. Like I'm, this is going to be a lifelong journey, but you know, through each session that I go to, I'm just letting go one more thing that I've had inside of me this whole time. Yeah. That's a good point. My, uh, my daughter, she she's going to school to be a nurse and mm-hmm. she's doing pretty good uh she's got a 3.6 or something like that she's trying to keep her numbers up but she also works for a uh, judge here in a courthouse and a lot of people were calling off during covid and she had got thrown into a situation she wasn't prepared for but she came out of it but one day she called me and she was actually having a panic attack and i had to go over help her i had never seen anybody have a panic attack and so you know we called the ambulance and they came over and stuff and they explained to me and they uh after it was all said and done they suggested that she go to therapy as well to try to help process some things and she's finding out now that she took on quite a bit of things and she kept it all in and she really didn't want she didn't know how to process it so i i've learned too that therapy is definitely something that people should do rather than try to hold it in because at some point it's going to try to come out yep yeah so and that's what the big word uh that stands out to me is from what you just said is projection yeah Yeah. so you know when people are unhappy within themselves they project it onto others um Mm. if people are unsatisfied with their jobs you're you're gonna see that in your workplace in your work environment um if there's you know a person that grew up in an abusive household and is now projecting those same frustrations and feelings onto their own kids. Mm -hmm. So without the healing, it's, I don't know that anybody could really have a healthy life or any type of healthy relationship because they, there has to be some self-work. Right. Yeah. That's true. Like you said, for all of us. Uh, Trey, I wanted to circle back to something you had said as well. Mm-hmm. You you were talking about um, 
the, that that's shooting the Oxford. What what actually happened there? I, I'm not fully up on that. Can you tell me what, what was the scenario there? Well, from what I understand, I mean, there was a, it was basically an active shooter situation. They're saying that the student was a victim of bullying previously. Okay. But from what I understand, he didn't go after the 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 alleged bullier. From what I understand, and there are victims who are trying to help save other folks. Uh, one was a notable, uh, I guess, one of the notable athletes there at the school, and he was trying to save individuals, and he actually died. Um, so there are definitely some some concerns to to see this point about projection. You know, here you have an individual who is going through some serious trauma, either uh, perceived or actual, and then acting out on those actions and then taking it out on someone else who may not have actually been involved in it. Um, I mean, again, I'm an outside observer, don't know all the details behind it, not an expert. Um, but just from what I've read, that's 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 what I can surmise from it. From what okay. I can ascertain, the <laughs> person would say you on social media. So Yeah. I, I was just asking about that because I wanted to segue into uh, talking about racism. I don't know, say have you experienced racism in, in your role? Or in general, I know because you you had the opportunity to be in two different countries. Have you experienced racism? And, and from your perspective, what have you? Uh, what's it been like for you? Yes. Um, so I was born here in the U.S. and mm-hmm. I didn't experience a whole lot up until I got. I, I want to say I was in seventh grade, and it was after nine eleven happened. Oh. That situation literally, like, just it, yeah, that was the beginning of just a whole lot of nonsense and negativity um, for me personally. Because, you know, one, we're in, I'm in middle school, so there's also, there's, you know, the immaturity there anyway. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the comments um, were just, you know, lack of education, lack of really knowing, like disassociating what had happened with 9-11 and people who were Middle Eastern. Um, Like a lot of people couldn't separate the two. They saw somebody who was Middle Eastern. They immediately were like, oh, you must be related to Osama bin Laden. Mm. So these were the comments that I heard a lot from, I want to say I was, you know, 12, 13 And even to this day, of course, it doesn't happen as often today, but let's just say I state my opinion on like a controversial topic, let's just say, right, on Facebook Mm -hmm. or who knows, wherever. Immediately, you know, somebody sees my profile picture, they look at me, they're like, oh, were you even, were you even born here? Or (laughs) who who to even, right, like, oh, you're your family is probably uh they're probably terrorists or something like that like that it (laughs) yeah that's gotta hurt yeah and you know what it it does but but i think i'm so desensitized from it and so used to it that to me it's just like i'm able to just kind of brush it off Mm -hmm. um and you know it is what it is like i can't control what what people say out of their mouths and this is the same thing that I try to instill in my profession um, even with my own son you know 
with my students, like I tell them, like, you can't control what other people say. At the end of the day, people are going to say whatever they want to say because they want to try to get under your skin. They want to hurt you. Mm. So having that mindset really helped me. What would you say to the 12 or 13 year old self, you know, at that time frame, it, to me, that would seem like another form of trauma as well. Just yes. being inundated with everyone looking at you as, hey, you you were there. You know, you're short of flying the plane, basically. That's the way mm-hmm. people were talking to you, which is totally unacceptable. What would you say to your 12 to 13 year old self at, at that time? Honestly, this this is going to pass. Like there's mm-hmm. this this is a lot of um, projection again projection so when when you're healed or healing because it's a lifelong process you stop taking things so personal so for me it's like if I have the skills and the tools and stuff and knowledge that I have now then I would just keep reminding myself like this this is just nonsense like they don't know any better they're they never left the country they don't know what the world is like this is just stuff that they're either seeing or hearing from other people or maybe it's being talked about in their homes stuff that they're watching on tv and so I wish you know back then I would have just told myself like listen it's you're gonna get through this it's fine don't take it personal um but you know at that age it's hard not to because the, the friendship and the popularity is so important in those preteen years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like uh, uh, kids especially, but uh, uh, it's worse for adults, but they can be pretty cruel, especially mm-hmm. at, at those ages, man, because I remember back when I was growing up, it, we didn't, they didn't call it bullying then, they called it joning. But man, you had to have thick skin because boy, they were like they were brutal. But now we can we can at least get some help for it, you know, and try to stop that bullying and, and, and things like that. So at least that's something positive. And um, I don't think we had uh, school counselors who were helpful like like you are. Uh, ex- give me some uh, more background on, on what you do on a day to day, Seda. What's your typical role like? So it's never scheduled or set out in a, you know, time slot type of manner. I basically walk in and I have an idea of what my day is going to look like. And it's uh-huh. never, it never ends up that way. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I may have, um, the things that pretty are like pretty much are consistent is if I have a parent meeting, if I have, um, a scheduled meeting with a student or something like that those pretty much stay consistently but as far as students asking to come see me um let's just say i need to follow up with a student about a situation that happened the week before so you know now i'm looking at my schedule like okay this is a good time for me let me find out where the student is let me call them down Mm -hmm. um there we may have a crisis situation maybe a student got into a fight maybe a student got you know something serious happened maybe a student expressed that they wanted to hurt themselves um you know maybe like a teacher emails me and is like hey i'm really worried about this one kid he's sleeping in class um or he's like making these comments that are a little bit concerning can you check in with them you know and obviously that takes priority so i will call a student 
down to my office then to talk to them. Um, I may also have a scheduled small group with kids that I check in with. Let's just say during their lunch, we'll have a little lunch bunch together or Mm -hmm. we may, I may run a small counseling group on just different topics each week. And I might have, you know, six or seven kids in front of me and we meet once a week. So it's very different. There's never really like, okay, I see this one kid at nine o'clock every Monday. That's, we can't even do that because it's only one of us and hundreds of students. Um, so, so that's where, you know, us having more counselors available to students is so important because with having more counselors, that'll allow each counselor or each kid, I should say, to have more time with their counselor to talk and check in. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of like my, you know, day-to-day routine. Wow, it's always exciting. You never know what you're going to get. It's like that box of chocolates, right, Trey? Mm. <laughs> wow. Man. That's, that's a lot. So what, what would you, what do you wish you know, what do you wish you would have known when you first started with what you know now in your profession? Just to be myself, be authentic. I think in the beginning, I tried so hard to not mess up and not and be this perfect counselor that I got in my head a lot and that that gave me anxiety. And now it comes so natural to me that it's like this is this is like this is who I am. Like this is yeah. what you get, you know, and <sighs> and kids see that and they appreciate it and they respect that. Yeah. Um I think when they see like a staff member trying too hard, they can read right through it. They can smell it. Like they can, you know, they know exactly what you're all about. So for me, it's like, Hey, I'm here for you. Um, I'm like, if I can't talk to you today, I will talk to you at some point this week. And I, and I stick with that. And I think once kids acknowledge that they're like, okay, she means her word. Like she, she's serious and she wants to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trey. I think you told me about a a video that you saw with a uh, a student telling a teacher that he didn't care about him or something. Do you remember that one? One more time. I didn't hear the whole part of that one. You had mentioned this a story about a student who was telling a teacher he didn't care about him and how he should, I guess, his leadership should be. You recall that video? Mm-mm. I'm sorry, man. Okay, uh, I, but I was I was just thinking something. To your point, uh, Cito, about you know, how do you balance that that point of being authentic, being professional, and being a confidant uh, to these these students, and then still at, at some point, if they're not doing what they're supposed to, still being an authority figure. I mean, you're you're juggling so many hats, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I give kids a heads up. Like, I basically, this is, this is kind of my go-to line with my kids. Like, hey, I understand I'm a new person to you. Like, if it's a kid, let's just say it's a kid I've never spoken to at all. I understand I'm a new person to you. Um, you may not trust me right away. You may not feel comfortable telling me things. But I hope with time we can develop that type of relationship. Just know I'm here. If you need somebody to talk to, this is my office. Um... And, and, you know, the only time that I will break that confidentiality is if 
you either want to hurt yourself or hurt someone else or if someone's trying to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also with the disciplinary piece, I make the students like I make it well known around the school. I am not disciplinary. I don't want to have that role. I don't want to be seen as a punitive person because that severs my relationship with my kids because they see me as just yet another person who is going to call home and tell mom and dad what's going on. So I stray away from that, but I do tell kids like, listen, if we have this sit down with you and this other kid and this doesn't get resolved and next week I find out that you guys fought or something happened, then I have no choice but to maybe like, you know, schedule a parent meeting or call your parent just to kind of check in on what we can do to help you. Um, but my my reaction is never to just call home and, you know, tell on the kids because that's not my role. I usually just, you know, refer, bounce them off to um, the administrators, whether it's the dean or principal or, you know, another person. Yeah. So that way they know they can come and tell me things. Yeah. That's okay. important to have that mm-hmm. um, My final thing I wanted to uh, go over with you was the guy that did the shooting, uh, what's his name? Kyle Redenbacher, whatever Written, his name is. Rittenhouse, yep. <laughs> yeah, same thing. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. Do we need another disclaimer? Hold on. Do we need another disclaimer, Boar? No. Okay. Carl, Carl, <laughs> yeah, Carl R. Kyle R. How about that? Okay. Okay. Do you think he needs therapy or is he good since he obviously didn't do anything wrong? Do you think he's good now or? So. Okay. So I don't, I'll just put that out there. I personally don't agree with what he did. Um, but I do think that again, it all ties back to some type of something, whether it's in the house, whether it's lack of, like relationships that he had with a parent or a guardian or maybe he didn't have friends that he that would kind of talk him out of something like this maybe he didn't have that support system because it just seemed like you know he did what he did like he had that in his mind and he thought that that was okay mm-hmm. and it just makes me wonder what was going on in that household because I think he was like 17 yeah he's, I think he's still 17 17 yeah. he's still right. 17 yeah so it just I don't know it just makes me wonder like what was there not somebody that was like hey that's not a good idea like you could not only possibly hurt yourself but you could hurt others so, so uh, that just raises a red flag to me I think it, who who drove him there his grandmother his mother somebody drove him to Chicago right I believe it was his mom because they were connecting mom to basically saying she gave him the okay to do this. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and apparently he, I guess what he did was not wrong. I really didn't follow the case because well, two of, of his peers in Wisconsin said it was okay. So. Right. So, yeah, the reason <laughs> I, I didn't follow that. the case because I figured, I figured it'd be one of those controversial situations that no matter what outcome, People mm-hmm. were going to be on opposite sides of it, and yep. I couldn't understand how. So I said, "This one, I need to just sit out." And I yeah. think I made the right call because I still don't know. I just know he shot what three people, and they he said he was there to help. Right? Is that correct? As far as what you guys know? 
to protect property. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's like, okay, we'll leave that one alone because, uh, like I said, I didn't, I didn't even want to know on it. I just know I have some people who, who in my circle, who was like, hey, the guy, he should have never went to trial for this. He's an innocent guy, and I'm like, okay, he's well, 17. I'm gonna well, say that. Lord, if you ever decide to go across lines with a gun to protect someone else's property you too may be acquitted so that's good I said may be acquitted. i'll keep that in mind <laughs> i just i don't I, so okay I, I have to say this because this i think this is my biggest issue with this okay. if that's the case and it's okay for him to travel across whatever state lines or whatever he did um because he wanted to protect others why is it that it is a problem for, you know, my students to walk down the street with just having a hoodie on Ooh. and they're being perceived mm. as a criminal and or profiled or questioned, but yet it's a guys, we make a, this might be, this might have to be a whole nother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. think that doesn't so, well when are you free again? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to go there on that time. I really didn't want to go there. Because... I have to, because it doesn't, as, as a, as a, as a, prof- like as a mental health professional and being a, an advocate of students of all backgrounds, all races, all ethnicities, all ethnicities, I look for equality right like I look for consistency so for me it just doesn't sit well that some of my students aren't able to do that right but then you know it it just I don't know like it's just one of those things that just doesn't sit well with me and um that's the biggest thing that I I guess bothered me about this situation and him not getting any charges for what he did like I said, I, I had to tell myself I had to accept whatever they said because mm. those are people who are the people in charge. So I, apparently they have our best interests in mind and at heart. So I'm going to ride with that. On, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, we're just going to say, did you have a final thought that you want to share? Then I'll say mine. If you had something you want to leave somebody with today. Yeah, um, just listen, be patient with yourselves. Um, Anyone who's listening, just take the time that you need to reset and just really take care of yourself because your mental health is so important. You really need to take care of yourself or else you're not going to be your best at, you know, whether it's your at your job, your personal life, your relationships, just take that time for yourself. Um, you know, take a mental health day. Oh yeah. Do do what you need to do to to be okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Trade, you had anything you want to say before we wrap it up? No, I'm good, sir. Go right ahead. Uh, okay, I just wanted to say that you know the same boiling water that softens potatoes can also harden egg. It's important for adults who are responsible for educating and helping our youth to help instill these values of hope and love because many times it's what you're made of and not your circumstances. On behalf of What's Up with Ward, I'm Ward, he's Trey. Thank you, Sadie, for dropping by. Thank Peace. you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Peace. All right. Bye-bye.